Welcome to episode 29 of the Comfort and Workplace podcast. In this episode, I want to address a comment I received on one of my posts. The comment linked comfort in the workplace to encouraging or promoting laziness at work. I mean, this couldn't be further from the truth. Remember, this culture framework is all about creating an environment where all team members can reach their potential. The comment also reminded me of times when my message has been misinterpreted or when I had to adjust my message so that it would be delivered more effectively. So in this episode, I want to give a refresher on what the comfort in the workplace culture is all about. I want to give you my take on how to handle situations when your message gets misconstrued, and I want to give you some advice on how you may need to adjust your message to better resonate. So I know I went over this in episode number one, but it's worth giving you a quick reminder of what comfort in the workplace is all about. So comfort in the workplace, it's not the kind of comfort where you're sitting back in the easy chair with your feet up, hands behind your head, just relaxing. No, I mean, this is not about that. This is about reaching potential for every individual and and for the team as a whole. So it's about creating an environment where each and every team member comes to work and feels like they can execute. So there's no distractions, everything's clicking, they're getting maximum production, and they're feeling good about what they're working on. So they got, they got alignment to their goals, there's clear expectations, everybody knows what each other's roles are, everybody knows how it fits together, you know what your core objectives are. You know how you're going to add value to the organization. And so you come to work. There's no BS. You're just ready to execute and you're ready to get the job done. So this is built on a foundation of respecting team members and demanding excellence. So I know those two things could be opposing. Respect sounds soft. Demanding excellence sounds hard. But this doesn't have to be an either or. It's about and it's about respecting team members and demanding excellence. So in this case, you're demanding excellence out of respect for one another. You want the team to succeed and you want the team members to succeed. And so let's remember the, 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 the 13 tenets of comfort in the workplace. There's stewardship, respect team members, demand excellence, simplify complexity, healthy collaboration, expect success, consistent communication, remove micromanagement, transparency, continuous improvement, focus on the important, accountability, and proactive action. Now you put all of those things together and that's what creates comfort in the workplace. And remember, it's that comfort, that professional comfort where you know you're coming to work and you're able to have laser focus on what your value add's gonna be, what your core objectives are, and you're ready to and you're ready to execute and you're ready to do a damn good job at it. So I, I first developed this and my intention wasn't to create this utopian work environment. I didn't just sit back and look up at the sky and wonder what the perfect work environment was gonna be. That's not that's not how I created it. I created it when I took over a team and the team had great people on it, but it was a crap culture. I mean, there was a lack of trust. There was fear of speaking up. I mean, people were working project to project without like a long-term view. There was a lack of communication. There was no strategy in place. And the team members were finger pointing all over the place. So when I came in, I saw this and I, I, I'm, I'm shaking my head at it. And I'm like, Something, something's got to change. I know there's great people here. I know they can execute. And, and I viewed my role as the leader is to set up that culture and to set up that framework. So I created this to set the expectations and I, I wanted the expectations out there that we were going to be a world-class delivery team, but we were going to do it with respect. 
And yeah, I rolled it out, the tenants, and I didn't have all the tools in place at the time, but you know, certainly the tenants were there and we had the core workout, which was a, which was a big piece and coming through it in order to, to make sure that it had all this alignment. There was a number of meetings I put on the calendar. And so there were eye rolls for sure. Um, people were rolling their eyes. They're shaking their heads. This is, this is ridiculous. This is garbage. But guess what? It worked. And <laughs> it worked. It worked well. I mean, the team, the team really came together and was really executing, really adding value, delivering. They got a lot of recognition. And I've continued to use this approach for the past nine years now. And it's worked with multiple teams. And I know it's worked. And that's why I'm sharing it with you. Because I know that you can get value out of it as well. All right, so that's comfort in a workplace. It's not the comfort where, you, where you're kicking your feet up. It's a comfort where everybody is so comfortable and has such alignment in what they're going to do that they're able to just execute. And so we got that added away. So look, sometimes your message could be misinterpreted. And sometimes you could just let it go. I mean, it's not worth addressing every single negative comment because there's always going to be naysayers. There's always going to be people that are poking holes. But sometimes what's being brought up, what's being misconstrued is so contrary to what you intend. And it's related to a piece of your message that is absolutely fundamental that ignoring it could be devastating. Ignoring it could allow your message to unravel and for it to take on a life of its own, a meaning of its own. And so in this case, you got to jump in. You got to get out ahead of it. You can't risk the misinterpretation growing. You can't risk someone else owning your message. You need to own your message. You need to own it up front and make sure that it's out there and people are getting it, and people are getting it right. And so I'll give you, I'll give you an example. So I was working on this large project, and it was at the very beginning of the project, and I was responsible for the strategy around the technology solution. And so I worked with a number of teams. I collaborated. I made sure that we got input. Um, we came up with a, with a really, really solid solution that we thought was, was great. I got buy-in from some of the key execs. But it wasn't at a point yet where I shared it with everybody on, on the project. And this was a multi-department project, multi-function, um, really, really looking at true, true transformation in the organization. And so before I was able to um, share it all, there was, there was some other departments that were partnering with a consulting firm on the implementation. And they wound up seeing a copy of the presentation that I had that explained the solution. And, and again, I wasn't there to, to, to talk it through. So <clears throat> they disagreed with the fundamental concept of the solution. And so they were, they were going back and forth and there's a lot of negativity around it, really poking holes in it. And I heard about the discussions they were having. And so I got it. I mean, they didn't have the full context. It was easy for me to see why they were questioning it. But I didn't let it sit there. I didn't let it fester. I wouldn't wait until I scheduled something on, on, on the calendar and a couple of weeks out when there was a, a session where I could have a chance to review it. And I jumped in my car immediately. This was way too critical to let someone else run with my message. And I knew that this was a critical juncture. So I drove to the office they were in, and we spent six hours with the team that was questioning it. And I let them challenge. I let them pepper me with questions. And we went back and forth. Throughout it all, I didn't let it get into an argument. I let them vent. I let them know I appreciated their perspective. But I continued to reinforce why I thought this was critical to the solution. And at the end of it, I had buy-in. I mean, they, they, absolutely, they thought it was ambitious. And they thought it added delivery risk. 
but they understood how beneficial it was going to be once it was delivered. And on top of that, they were pleased to hear from me because they saw that I recognized the risk and that I had mitigation plans in place. And so it gave them a, a, bit, of, a bit of comfort and they were able to buy into it. And now, seven years later, that part of the solution is still in place and it's still adding significant value. And so if I didn't recognize how critical that point in the project would have been, I would have been forced to adjust the solution. I mean, if I let that go on the way it was going, the consultants had a, a strong voice at the table and they would have been able to convince people um, enough that this was, a, this was a wrong choice, a wrong decision. And by the time I got around to it, got around to trying to get buy-in from everybody, it would have been ruined already. It would have been, it would have been blown up. Um, and so taking action and taking quick action when you know that your message is being misinterpreted, when you know that it's part of your message that is so critical to the success, you need to take that quick action. You need to jump in and you need to own your message before someone else does. And so now, I mean, you don't always have the luxury <laughs> of knowing your message is being inter misinterpreted. Sometimes that's happening behind closed doors. Sometimes you're not hearing about it. And maybe you don't have the opportunity to just hop in your car and go and explain yourself to just the right set of people at just the right time. So I get it. So sometimes your words need to stand on their own. So whatever you put in a presentation, whatever you put into some form or submission, sometimes those words are all that there is for the message. They need to stand on their own. And so for me, I'm a, a really big believer that the heart and soul of a concept matters much more than, you know, a title or a tagline. I mean, you want to know that whatever that concept is, you, de you develop that concept for a reason. And so at the end of the day, what's important is that it's being received and it's delivering value. So even if it's me, it's my baby, I came up with the packaging around it, I came up with the concept, have the title, I came up with a a tagline and some imaging or whatever it is that goes along along with it. I never get hung up on the packaging. I never get hung up on the, um, the, the icing on a cake. I always, always believe that at the end of the day, I want to make sure that this thing's being delivered. I want to make sure that the value that was intended by the concept was being realized. That's what's critical to me. And I'm flexible in the other areas. And I'll give you an example, a couple examples. So comfort in the workplace tools, and I've talked about this before. I've changed the names of these tools. So I came up with these tools. I came up with the names. And I'm proud of, I'm proud of it. But at the end of the day, what matters to me is that the teams that I'm introducing them to, that they adopt them and they get the value out of them. That they get the, the value of the culture that we're trying to put in place. And so I've changed the names so that it would resonate with the team, or I've changed the names so that it would resonate with some corporate initiative that we have going on. And who cares at the end of the day what it's called, as long as it's being used. In these cases, I adjusted. And so I was, I was, I was flexible. So the way you do that is you test it out, you get some feedback, and then, and then you adjust. I see this quite often around budget and planning season. I mean, every budget and planning season you go through the budget process and everybody's got um, a laundry list of, of initiatives and projects that they want to get done for the, for the next year. But there's a limited amount of funding. And so these, the project names that you put out there, sometimes those project names need to stand on their own. And so it might be your manager or even your manager's manager, maybe the one who's representing your project for funding. 
So all of these projects are submitted across the company, various departments, and the limited, the limited set of funding for, for projects. And so you have to make sure that whatever is submitted resonates. And it's too often people come up with projects, project names that are focused on the project team and how the project team relates to it. So it's focused on the work that's getting done. And it's not focused on the business problem that's, that, that's, being, that's being solved. And so when it's in front of the executives and it's looking for this limited funding, it's got to be obvious to them what this project is about. It's got to be obvious what value this project's going to add. And I find it's, it's, it's always easier to explain the name to the team after it's actually funded than being stubborn about the name and saying that this is really what the work is. And so, you know, we'll just have to explain it to the execs when we get a chance. You don't always get a chance. And, and so you have to make sure that the name you come up with, um, it's, it's, it resonates with the executives. Because at the end of the day, what matters more is that your project gets funded and you're able to deliver the value of the project. Who cares what the name is at the end of the day? And you could always, you could always go back and explain it to the team. And so for me, in those cases, you're, you're sacrificing the battle to win the war. I mean, the, the adoption of the concept, the delivery of the project is always much more important than what you name it. So through it all, when you've got a message, you need to own it. You need to own how it is being interpreted. And you need to know when to jump in to clarify. And you also need to know when you need to adjust something around the edges, just so you can make sure that it resonates a little bit better with the, the team or the customer. In, in, my, in my case, hopefully I helped clarify what I mean by comfort. And, and hopefully you have a better understanding that this is a professional comfort. It's about people being so comfortable that they're able to come in to work and they're able to execute. They're able to focus. They know how their work aligns to core objectives. They know how they're going to add value. They know how they fit in with the rest of their, the rest of their teammates. And they come to work and they're ready to execute and they're ready to do their best. And, and no, I'm not going to adjust based on one negative comment I received on a post. It's going to take a, a bit more than that. But it, it, this comment, this misinterpretation was so fundamental that I did see the need to jump in and clarify. So please join me in creating comfort in the workplace by respecting team members and demanding excellence.